Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fairview Family Ministry Podcast. This is John Spolino, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about why it is important to teach theology to our kids. And to help us think through that, we have our very own Mary Wiley in the house to discuss this very important topic. Mary Wiley is the associate publisher at BNH Publishing Group. She has written and writes on theology. And we're so grateful to have her part of our church and to have her a part of this conversation. In this conversation, we talk about theology, we talk about Bible reading, we talk about baptism, and we ask the question, what do I do if I don't know the answer to one of my children's questions? And so we're going to get through all that in this short, well, semi-short podcast. And uh, anyways, I hope you really enjoy this episode. I know I had a great time talking with Mary, so here you go. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of teaching our kids theology. And today, we have the uh, world-famous right. Mary Wiley with us. Uh, Mary, thank you so much yeah. for being on this podcast today for our Fairview family. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me. Um, I, in my normal day job, I work with words all day, words in theology, uh, publishing books for churches and for uh, people in the church. And so I'm associate publisher at B&H Publishing Group um, and then write theology and write on theology rather and, and do some other random writing. And then, of course, uh, as far as outside of kind of that work, I have three sweet kiddos, two kindergartners who are keeping us on our toes and a six month old who is doing all the really cute, fun, rolling over and trying to crawl and uh, laughing stuff that comes with infancy right now. So we're busy and uh, but we have a we have a great time in the Wiley household. Nice, nice. And if everybody's wondering, her son is the most gifted uh <laughs> Seven, six year, six year old, six year old, six year old six. soccer player who plays on the best team in Wilson County, which is the Blue Lightning. Which <laughs> That's is right. The team that I coach, Coach John Spolino. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, today we want to talk about uh, theology and our kids and how and why it's important to teach our kids theology. So just give a couple of kind of initial thoughts, and then we can dive into some questions or yeah. conversation. Sure. So I think first we probably need to just define theology for everyone. I think often people think of theology as this like big lofty term that really lives in like dusty libraries that smell like your grandfather's basement. <laughs> and that's just not the case. Uh, theology is just a, a fancier word that we use to describe the study of God. Uh, it's very similar when we think about probably the things that gave us hives in high school or in college, like uh, biology or uh, some of those other anthropology, those classes that it was like, oh man, I'm going to probably fail this, but it's going to be fine. Um, those can really give us uh, some nervous feelings, but theology is just the study of of God. Um, and so when we think about theology, specifically for kids, uh, our goal is to build a solid foundation of who God is and what he has done, is doing, and will do uh, in the future. And so when we think about theology, we shouldn't necessarily be intimidated because it really just is telling our kids 
who God is and what he's done. And that can be as simple as telling them what he's done in our lives. That's as simple as explaining the stories of scripture and how they fit together to our kids. And so that uh, really theology is is a process that will last the entirety of our lives. There's never going to be a time where we arrive and we know everything there is to know about God. And that's really the beauty of the God we serve is that he is incomprehensible. There is always a deeper depth to be plumbed. Um, And so rather than it making us nervous to have those conversations, what I hope people walk away from this conversation with is an excitement to do that, uh, to feel uh, really empowered as they think about deepening those conversations with their kids as just another opportunity to show them a really small glimpse of, of the glory of the God we serve. That's a great explanation of the term theology and kind of the the process i have the same heartbeat of i want parents to walk away listening to this excited about um being able to talk to their kids about god i think uh as you referenced i think sometimes parents are okay with talking to their kids about everything else but when it comes to god maybe there might be some insecurity Mm -hmm. or they may not know or may not think that they know um, as much or maybe there's a fear i don't want to teach my kid wrong wrong theology and wrong uh, practice about God, you know, with God and those sorts of things. And so um, I I want parents to uh, be empowered and to be encouraged to take the step, even if it's something as simple as, um, you know, telling them that God loves them. And I think when we look at age groups, you know, there's going to be different theological discussions and and things that we need to teach our kids. So uh, if you would uh, just for a moment kind of talk through what are some of the main things or maybe some of the first things that our kids should know about God that parents should be kind of teaching their kids about? Sure. I think that's an excellent question. And so when we think about who God is, we want to think about his attributes. Uh, And so we could divide those up into the communicable attributes and the incommunicable attributes are those that we do share and those that we don't share with God. And so uh, an attribute that we would share is maybe the, uh, the ability to love or a loving kind God and the ability the ability to then uh, care for one another provide for one another those that we don't share would be something like God's holiness or his uh, omnipresence his ability to be all places at all times his ability to be all-knowing we are a small glimpse of that because we do have intellect and we can we can learn and we do have knowledge but he of course is the perfect infinite view of that and so helping kids really wrap their mind around who is the God that we serve and really helping them see the beauty of, of who he is and that he is for them, that he loves them. And just as you said, we want to be age appropriate. We want to make sure we're helping children understand what they can understand. But I do think often we don't give kids enough credit. Uh, so even I think about my two, uh, we were driving, they were three years old. Uh, we were actually driving to Aldi, um, you know, down by Walmart and we passed a cemetery. It was around Halloween. And um, one of our two looked out the window and said, they are getting ready for Halloween. It was the cemetery. And I was like, I don't know how to feel this. And the other piped up and said, no, they're getting ready for when Jesus comes back. And I about fell out of my chair because I was like, you're three years old. How are you communicating this really, um, you know, 
prolific thought about God and Jesus is going to return. He's going to resurrect the dead. You're three years old and like you get it. Never have I driven by a cemetery and thought these people are getting ready for when Jesus comes back. Sure. But that was what was on our three-year-old's mind. And so often I think we think, oh, I, my kids, like I just need to tell them God loves them until they're five. Or I just need to uh, do felt board Noah's Ark and I'm just going to tell them each story like the stories that I grew up on until they're in youth ministry and youth ministry is when the real you know discipleship happens and that's just not the case I mean the stats show that most kids who are going to become Christians do so before they're 12 yeah, and, and so and by that time it's too late it's if too you, late if you yeah. wait until student ministry for your student to get serious then yeah uh, you've missed out on a lot well and if we don't disciple them the world will mm-hmm. and so um yeah, I, I think we need to introduce theological concepts that maybe they don't understand yet. Um, our six-month-old, we're already telling her, we're reading the stories about Jesus dying on the cross. And I think in popular, like, this is how you should teach your kids about Jesus, educational theories, for a long time they would say, don't touch that until they're three or four because it, it it's hard. But our kids are running across hard things every day. And if we don't help them understand what to do with them and that there is a hard thing that Jesus did die on the cross, there's a hard thing that yet brings us eternal hope um, that, that they're going to stake their feet in something that's shifting sand rather than a solid foundation. And so uh, we want to really help them first understand who God is. Uh, a question that I often ask as we read the Bible uh, is, is who is God in? this story often we're really good at making stories about us samson it's like be like samson he was strong you're like i don't don't think i really want to be like samson as you read the rest of the story you're like no he got his eyes plucked like (laughs) popped out by the philistines like he was not living the dream uh but but what we see in that story is that god was faithful and so um we want to first ask who is God in this passage we're reading or if we're reading in the storybook bible for our little kids like who is God? And then the next question is, who does this tell me uh, that I am? And so who, how is God informing who I am uh, in this passage? Because we don't want the world to tell our kids who they are. We want God to tell our kids who they are. And then I think the third question is kind of that application question of, okay, if this is what's true about God in this passage, and this is what's true about me in this passage, then how should I respond? Should it be that I fall on my knees and worship this unbelievable God that we serve? Is it that I should repent because I've seen uh, the ways that I am sinful? How should I respond? Um, And so when it comes to really helping kids understand theology, the first thing they're going to look to is is how a parent understands that theology. So if we're looking at a passage and saying, what does this say about God? Mm -hmm. What does this say about me? How should I respond? Um, The way that we do that is going to be the way, in many cases, that our kids do the same. They're going to repeat that same behavior. They're going to, I I have friends who've always said, like, I don't have time to read my Bible. I'm a stay-at-home mom. It's crazy. And I've always been able to encourage them and say, read your Bible while your kids play. Like, there is no greater benefit than them seeing you with your Bible open in your lap, knowing that this is a normal rhythm of your life. Um, And so when we think about teaching theology, we want to think about it in the same way. We want to have a normal rhythm that not only we're teaching our kids, but we're also applying it to our own hearts. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and showing them practically that this really is a lifelong endeavor. And kids are actually more, as you mentioned, they're, they're a lot more intuitive than we give them credit for. Like our, our boys, um, like just last night, uh, Mason did something wrong and then hid. And then Jonathan says, Mason's hiding from his sins, you know? And <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that's our that's first inclination yeah. is that when we sin, we want to hide. Um, that's what Adam and Eve yeah. did. And, um, you know, right there, I just see like my son, you know, understanding you know, what the mm-hmm. natural you know, inclination of the heart is when you sin. It's to hide. Right. And, uh, and we can use those moments as they come to talk about Jesus, talk about God. We do need to discipline and to disciple our kids and to teach our kids, you know, how to not only what to believe, but sometimes we need to teach our kids, you know, hey, this is acceptable. This is not acceptable. Yeah. But we also need to show them what mercy looks like and what mm-hmm. grace looks like. And when they've messed up and recognize that they've messed up, yeah. You know, that's an opportunity to, you know, to, to foster that, you know, in, in the relationship. Yeah. I think discipline, moments of discipline are probably the most valuable times in teaching theology, at least in our home. Um, there is a moment where kids realize, like, what they've done is wrong. But there's also, on the flip side, this uh, just we've seen the light bulb really turn on when we've been able to apologize to our kids for the, you know, there are times where I raise my voice and that's not acceptable. Um, and I've been able to say, you know what, mommy got really upset and that is, that is not pleasing to God. Mommy should not have done that. It was not about what you did. It was about how mommy's heart was, mm-hmm. um, not thinking correctly. Mommy's heart was not aligned correctly to how God would intend. And so when we look at the way that God disciplines us, um, and, and it's not just that he punishes us for the purpose of like, oh, just go sit in the corner because you're the worst ever. It's like, no, God disciplines us because he loves us and because he because he intends to um, to teach us. And that's how I want to discipline my kids as well. Not just, hey, go sit in your room because I'm tired of listening sure. to you whine. But it's like, no, let me use this as a teaching opportunity uh, to, to show you a bigger picture of who God is and, and your place in the world mm-hmm. and what's happening and, and what it looks like to grow in wisdom and stature and, and in love of, of God. And, and those are excellent opportunities. I think as we talk about how to uh, teach theology to kids, in many cases, it's not that you need to sit down and have a one-hour Bible study every night. Right. Uh, I think that can feel really overwhelming as parents. Our family is really busy. An hour every night would likely lead to a lot of whining um, and because our kids are little and that's okay. But where we have the most valuable conversations is just throughout the day. The car ride is always mm-hmm. like we're going to pick them up from school or we're going to baseball pra- or basketball practice. Uh, those are the times where we can really dive in and say, what did you think about this? Let's talk about these things that happened at school. How, you know, and, and we can apply God's word to those things. Maybe uh, recently we've dealt with like someone was picking on one of our kids. And it's like, well, wh- how did you respond? How can we love them anyway? But also make wise choices the next time and and so there are just so many opportunities if we'll take them to point 
to spiritual things in normal conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think when we look back at the way the church has always been, we look back at even biblical times where uh, God's word was passed down orally. Like these are the ways that families were teaching. Of course, we see in like Deuteronomy 6 where we are to like keep them on our foreheads, keep these words, you know, before us and uh, talk about them as we're coming and as we're going. And I really think that that is the right mode of teaching theology and it certainly helps me as a parent but also a christ follower that that as i'm keeping it front of mind for kids it means that that's also where my mind is all day yeah you mentioned a a couple things that deuteronomy chapter six and we've kind of hit on these during our conversation uh is the importance of modeling right they need to see you doing these things but the intentionality of it's it's all around you. You have moments all the time. I, th- I think, yeah, for a three-year-old and my six-year-old probably has, you know, the worst case of ADD I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, and it's just like to sit, you know, Jonathan and Mason down, even for a 10-minute span to yeah. try and teach him something is a difficult thing to do. Now, we can muster, you know, maybe a five, six-minute Bible book, Absolutely. you know, reading time, but when we're teaching theology at our home, it's when situations arise. Uh, one thing that we do in our in our family is at nighttime, uh, we make everybody pray, so it's not an option. Um, yeah. You've got to pray, even if it's as simple as, Lord, thank you for this day. But we make them pick an attribute to thank God for. Yeah. And so like Mason, he's three. He doesn't know what to pray. He prays the exact same thing. And it's always has to do with what we did that day. So it's mm-hmm. like, God, thank you that I got to go to the zoo today. But then I'll say, well, why don't we pick an attribute of God to kind of thank him for? And mm-hmm. so how about, is God powerful? Is he, is he strong? Yes. So then he'll just pray, you know, thank you, God, for being strong. Done. It's super simple, but it not only gets them familiar with terms about who God is, Mm -hmm. um, but it allows us to, you know, just use those moments to teach. You know, when we're wrestling, you know, because I got two boys and they love to wrestle. Sure. um, I'll say, is daddy the strongest? And they'll say, yes, he's the strongest, which makes me feel good, Mm -hmm. um, even though I'm not the strongest. But I'll say, no, God's the strongest. And so even just like little things here and there allows them to pick up on who God is. And it doesn't have to be a super formal, you know, catechism, even though I think those have their place. But um, it doesn't have to be super formal. It just has to be in your daily life as you talk through um, aspects of, you know, of God and, and who he is yeah. and, and how he relates to us. And, uh, to me, I think through kind of some main things I would want my kids to know. Um, so Jonathan's at, he's six years old, six years old now. And, um, you know, for a while he's talked about Jesus, putting his mm-hmm. faith in Christ, which has been excellent. And so we're kind of preparing him, uh, in the future for, you know, baptism yeah. and, uh, since he's, you know, professed faith in Christ. And so I think through what are the things that I w- would want him to know mm-hmm. entering in baptism? Um, and so yeah. what are some key pieces of theology for parents who say, Hey, you know, my kid, I'm not sure if they're ready or not, but kind of what, uh, pieces of, not only theology, I think practice is good too, mm-hmm. but like, what should I be looking out for when it comes to that, when it comes to a child being ready for baptism? Yeah. So uh, we want to make sure that kids know the decision they're making. Um, my first job right out of college was uh, with Centra Kid Camp. So I had worked with Centra Kid through summers and directed camps for them and then worked in their office. And so one of the first things Uh, that I did in the fall of my first year of full-time work was that I interviewed about five or about 150 college students. And what I heard over and over and over again was I made a profession of faith at seven, eight, nine, 12, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really understand until 
someone came alongside me at 16 and helped me through the process of understanding what it meant to be a Christian. And so what that has done for me is made me hyper aware of like, I want to make sure that kids feel like they can drive a stake in the ground and say, this is the decision that I made. And so to do that, we want to make sure that they understand the gospel, that they understand that Jesus was a real person who lived a sinless life in our place, that he lived the sinless life we could not we could not live, that he died on the cross to pay for sin, and that he rose again three days later. And so, uh, and of course that he ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of the father. And so we want to make sure that people understand why sin, why that was necessary. Like why is sin so bad? And and we can go all the way back to the garden and say, God uh, gave Adam and Eve this one rule of not to eat from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. And, and they chose to do that. Um, and so we can see that sin has broken everything, that sin is given to us, uh, that we um, inherit sin from the very beginning of our lives, that even as uh, my six-month-old is, is great at ripping toys out of her uh, brother and sister's hands, that she already is this little baby sinner. Um, and, and, and so we want them to understand that there is a need for a Savior, that they have a need because of their sin, that that there is nothing that can cure that sin except for Jesus. Um, And so once they say, yes, like that is, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I want to follow him. Well, we really want them to understand that this is a decision to surrender, uh, that, that there is something that they must do, and that is that they must surrender their life to Christ and to walk in his ways. Um, And so something that's important when I talk to kids who want to become Christians is um, that they understand like this isn't a get out of jail free card. This isn't like God's going to give me all the things I ever asked. God isn't just Santa wanting to like, you know, give either. He does want to give us good things, but sin has broken what that looks like. That relationship looks like. And so uh, understanding their need, understanding the gospel, understanding who God is. Um, Also, uh, whenever we get to walk through with kids who have chosen to follow Christ, we also want to help them understand why it's important to be part of a church, uh, why they should uh, be a member of Christ's body, that God has a special place for the church. In many ways, it is the outpost of heaven on earth and and that he has called his people to be in community there. Uh, And so helping them understand that Christianity is not necessarily an individualistic faith. Yes, you make an individual choice to follow Jesus, but you also are grafted into a family. Um, And that family can be messy and it can be hard and it can be happy and good, just like our normal families, but that it is really important for us to stay with the church and that there are people there who can help us understand theology, understand our faith. Um, And so uh, I, I think the more we can do to set kids up for a foundation of faith that leads them throughout their whole life to know like, oh, Uh, When I wake up as a freshman in college and I can choose what to do on Sundays, I need to know how important Mm -hmm. the church is. Um, And so, yeah, I think gospel, understanding who Jesus is, and then uh, just really saying, like, I want to commit my life to this is is very important before we reach baptism. And then, of course, we're going to talk about what baptism symbolizes, of like you are being buried with Christ and raised to newness of life, that that is a new 
life where the old has passed away through the work of of Christ, that the Holy Spirit now lives within uh, and and is guiding and helping and moving. And, and so there's a, there's a lot to help children walk through that. And that's something we love to do. John, I know your heart is this as well, is that like the what I really, I tell people this all the time, I'm not just saying this, but I view my uh, most exciting ministry engagement as being able to uh, walk through the new Christians class or the starting point class with kids, um, Mm -hmm. that that really is one of the best things I get to do because of how special it is in helping children understand what it means to follow Jesus. Um, First of all, I appreciate that you do that starting point class because it is excellent. I want my kids to know good theology. I want them to understand Mm -hmm. their response, you know, that they should have from their sin. They need a savior. Um, I want them to experience, you know, the Christian life. One thing that I want to see, like, for example, with my, my kids, with Jonathan, is I want to see a desire, you know, for God. I'm never going to be able to make him have that desire. I mean, I even have issues of desire in my own life and wanting to wake up in the morning. And the first thing is not wanting coffee, but scripture, you know, Mm so, or my phone instead of scripture. So, um, I think it's going to plague everybody, but the one thing I want to see in, you know, my, my kids is to instill a desire for God's word. Yeah, I think that's great. I meant to mention that too. So I'm glad you brought that out is that we, uh, want to see fruit. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings the fruit. And so I would encourage parents to not rush to baptism. That kids, our kids are asking lots of questions right now, too. Um, We went and saw a friend get baptized not long ago, a friend's mom. And uh, we were all so excited. And so they were like, wait, I I obviously want to follow Jesus. And it's like, yes, but have we seen fruit? Have Mm -hmm. we seen the fruit of that desire to follow Jesus yet? Have we seen changes in your behavior, changes in the way that you are talking to your sister? Not that we want you to force a particular behavior, not that the gospel is about behavior modification, but that the Holy Spirit has promised that he will work out fruit in our lives when we choose to follow him. And so I would encourage parents to just um, consider that it's okay for those moments of like praying to ask Jesus to be in control of your life, to surrender to him, um, that, that conversation of becoming a Christian, that it's okay if that is separated by a little bit of time before baptism. If there's some working out of that, of like, let's see the fruit and make sure that, that this really is when you get to baptism, it really is proclaiming what God has already done in your heart. Um, and, and that, that is okay. And so I think even as a child, I rushed to baptism and then after baptism had this moment of like, wait, did I really understand? Because the flip side of that is also that we are always going to be learning more Mm -hmm. about God, that there are going to be things that 10 years from now, I look back and say, how did I not already know this? How did I not get this about God? How did I not understand the depth? of this. And so the opposite of that encouragement would be helping kids know that that also is good. That Mm -hmm. growth is a picture of success, not a picture of, oh my goodness, you didn't know this. You might not be a Christian then. It's like, no, we match our devotion to what we know is true about God. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head of like, we want to see the fruit of that decision before we rush 
full head, you know, full in as fast as possible, just because we want to make sure that kids 10 years from now can look back and say, yeah, that was the decision. And I'm going to continue to walk in that for my whole life. Yeah. My feeling or the knowledge or the depth of knowledge that I have of God does not determine whether or not I was saved or not. You can only respond to God of what you understand of God at that time. And at that age, there's only so much that you can understand. Um, But that's still valid. Mm -hmm. And you are going to have these moments of growth. And that's a really good thing. It shouldn't scare us. Absolutely. Um, At the same time, I think, you know, teaching kids that Salvation in Christ and baptism is not this um, is not uh, the end result for a Christian life. It's the beginning. It's the, it's the start of our, our journey and the race mm-hmm. that God is calling us to. Well, it, it's helpful to know, so. too, that at baptism, at salvation, which they're not the same, just to be clear. I know we've kind of talked around that, um, but that. Um, that is the start of the abundant Christian life that Jesus promises, that we are not awaiting some future Mm -hmm. time where our life with Christ begins. Right. Uh, I see that in Christians that I know from time to time where they just say like, yeah, I made a decision. I have my fire insurance card, whatever you want to call it, uh, but I'm just waiting for heaven. It's like, no, no, no. God God is with us now. Like, yes, there is a future Uh, promise, but the promise is also of his presence today. And so I want, when we think about theology, I want my kids to know I have the Holy Spirit today. I get to be with Christ today um, and that I can live on mission with him even as a 10-year-old, as a 12-year-old, that God has things for me to work alongside him in uh, as a member of his kingdom today, not And maybe it's not that they're waiting on heaven, but they're waiting on a job where they can Mm -hmm. say, oh, well, I'll serve God in my job when I'm an adult. It's like, no, no, no. You can serve God today in the way that you live. I got one more question. Okay. What do I do as a parent if I don't know the answer to a question my child asks? That say you don't know. I think one of the most valuable things we can do is say... I don't know all the things. I'm learning on this journey just like you are, but I will find out. And we will talk to Pastor Brant. We will talk to Pastor John. We will find someone who knows the answer. Uh, but I, what I hope parents don't walk away with from this podcast or from any book that they read or from any engagement with theological conversation is, is the feeling of needing to know all the answers. Um, I don't know all the answers. I would assume, Pastor John, you would agree that you don't know all the answers. Um, and so it is okay to, to say very honestly, I don't know, but I would love to help you find the answer. And that can cultivate um, curiosity in our kids, which is really the founding uh, kind of attribute of those who are engaging in theology is we want to be curious about God. We want to investigate a text. We want to ask as many questions as we can. And in college, uh, one of the hardest but most fruitful assignments I received uh, week after week, my college minister, I met with him to read passages of scripture with a group of people. And every week he asked us to bring 50 questions of of the text and often it was like three verses and so the first time I looked at him and said that is not possible I cannot bring you 50 questions for three sentences that does not make sense um and then when we came back it was fascinating to see that we all had different questions that there were far more than 50 questions that could be asked of that text and so 
we want to cultivate curiosity in our kids. We want to help them ask questions of the text, ask questions about who God is. But we also want to help them know that there are people and resources to help them get answers to those particular questions, even if we don't know what those might be. And so there are a couple of great resources I can recommend. Um, There is a great free PDF download from the Gospel Project called 99 Essentials. As 99 Essential Doctrines, it can help you walk through Uh, what is true about God and kind of the systematic theology pieces of like God, the church, salvation, end times, those types of things. Uh, And it is, it's completely free. Just put your email in and you can get it as a download, but that's a really helpful guide as parents are trying to answer questions. Um, But the resources, the access we have to resources is just completely unhindered. And so reach out if you have a question. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm here. Pastor John's here. Pastor Brant's here. I'm sure there are dozens of people who would love to help you field those questions, uh, but never feel like you can't say, I don't know. My biggest encouragement is not only has God gifted you the ability to have children in your home to disciple, and so he'll give you the strength to accomplish Mm -hmm. the, the task that he's called you to, but you can't afford not to do it. (laughs) I mean, um, again, as you mentioned, the very beginning um we all are living believing something about god and it's either good theology or it's going to be bad theology and how we live is normally connected to what we believe and what we think about god and um we cannot afford to not invest in our kids spiritually like you cannot expect your child to love and follow jesus if you aren't loving and following jesus in your own home like it's just it's just silly to think that they would uh automatically do that without your uh investment into their life that although there is no silver bullet where there is a for sure route of like this is exactly how to convince my kids to follow christ that it is a work of the holy spirit Um, that I can be an example for them. I can pray and ask God to save them. I can continually, uh, we pray for our kids out loud over them and ask God to move in their hearts, even with them listening. Um, And and we want them to to know and love Christ. But yeah, one of the key ways for them to to know what that looks like is to first see it in us. Mm -hmm. And we don't always do a good job of that, but but that's always the goal. Well, Thank you so much for joining on our podcast today. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you so much for joining us today as you listen to our podcast. We are so grateful that we get to uh, give these resources and do these types of things for our Fairview Church family. If you're new to Fairview Church or maybe you have stumbled on this podcast, you can find out more about our church at myfairview.org. And if you could be so kind, it would just help us just kind of continue this ministry that we're doing and uh, kind of hopefully help others outside of our our church Uh, if you would just leave a quick review uh, a generous review would be nice a a nice review (laughs) would be nice on any place that you're listening to this right now that would be super duper helpful uh, for us we love you guys we're so grateful for you and on behalf of our family ministry team thank you so much for allowing us to partner with you as you disciple your kids at home we love you guys thank you bye